as Colin mentioned, we are looking at Scripture in Mark's Gospel. And Mark's Gospel, you may recall, is the first one of the four Gospels that was written. It was written probably around 70 Common Era or after Christ. So this isn't an all-in-the-scene report. It's really a telling of a story for a specific purpose. And Mark's purpose seems to be to convince his community that Jesus was the one who came with authority given by God. Jesus has been baptized, heard God call him beloved, He's wrestled with evil in the wilderness and called his first disciples to join him as he ushers in the kingdom of God. And now he goes to the synagogue and he makes a name for himself. People begin talking about this one who taught with authority and cast an unclean spirit from a man who was worshiping there in their midst. Mark depicts Jesus as the one uniquely authorized, commissioned, are empowered to declare and institute the reign of God. Through Jesus, we glimpse characteristics of this reign. In God's rule and reign, nothing should keep folks from the abundant life God desires for all of us. As David Lose writes, God wants the most for us from this life and stands in opposition to anything that robs us of the joy and community, and purpose for which we were all created. There was something in this man's life that was keeping him from being who he was intended to be. We don't know what the unclean spirit was. We 21st century Christians have trouble with the idea of demons and magic being able to eliminate them. So maybe he had a disease. Maybe he suffered poor mental health. Maybe he had been so beat down by life that he had turned to unhealthy practices and they were robbing him of his chance to be the man God wanted him to be. But Jesus, Jesus acts with authority and casts the spirit out. Now, if you think about this, it's all very interesting. Did this man just show up that day at the synagogue? Did he sneak into the synagogue knowing that he would not be welcomed because he would taint those around him? Or was he a part of this community? Was his issue the elephant in the room that nobody dared name? Were his synagogue and its leaders failing him by not rocking the boat? Did they not believe that God had the power to heal and make whole? Jesus in this story becomes the liberator He frees the man from that which was keeping him from fullness of life. And the scribes, interestingly enough, are none too happy. Thus the showdown has begun. How dare this Jesus make them look bad? How dare he call them out without actually saying it for not liberating their people, but instead for oppressing them and enslaving them to 613 laws regarding what they can and can't do none of which really lead to life in God. Had he come to destroy this as, them as well? All right, game on. When modern folks have trouble with this idea of demons, unclean spirits, and with the prospect of miracles, and yet I dare say we've all experienced them. We're surrounded by demons, things that possess us and make life miserable. We are people we know, 
suffer depression. Some are addicted to food, to alcohol, to drugs, to pornography. One's disease possessed them, and it's all they can think about. They've let it define their entire lives. Sometimes we are paralyzed by our grief, our sorrow. We can't seem to move forward. We get stuck in the past, failing to live as God would have us live. Osvaldo Vina reminds us that demons go beyond our personal lives as well. He writes, the demons that I am talking about are those who possess us as a community, as a nation, as members of the human race. They are intent on destroying us. We start with the big one, unbelief. Losing one's faith in God, in life as a sacred force, and in our fellow human beings. It is the feeling that nothing can be done to solve our problems. Then springing from this one come the others in fearful company. Homophobia, racism, sexism, classism, religious and ideological intolerance, violence at home and at school, poverty, militarism, terrorism, war. Greed, extreme individualism, out-of-control capitalism, media-infused fear that leads to paranoia and governmental manipulation of information, to name a few, he says. I'm afraid the church as an entity can also get possessed by these spirits that are counter to the kingdom of God. It can find itself not living a kingdom life, a congregation can be possessed by hurt and fearful that it might be hurt again. It can find that demon apathy eating away at it, keeping it from the command that Jesus left them. A church can get caught up in grief for the passing of the good old days or be consumed by procrastination, just waiting to get around to it. We can shout at Jesus, what have you done with us? Have you come to destroy us? But perhaps we need to realize that the destruction of some things can actually lead to life as God envisions, right? I wonder, have we lost our faith in God? Do we not believe in miracles? Do we not know the power of a word, a word that can identify the problem, a word that can set the prisoner free, a word that can bring hope and wholeness and happiness? Do we not believe that change can really happen? that a better world is indeed possible. I wonder if there are folks among us who are just waiting for an authoritative word to rid them of their unclean spirits. God is with you. You are a beloved child of God. I've got you. Let's talk about it. How many of us have had our lives changed because someone said powerful words to us? You don't have to live like this. I know that there is help available. Let's see what we can do. I understand. I love you. I'm here for you no matter what. Now in Mark's story that Dwight read, the man's healing is instantaneous. Jesus speaks and the demons flee. But I, don't, I believe that healing isn't always that way. Sometimes it takes a 12-step group or a small group that loves someone into help. Help. It's a prayer team who speaks words that lead to the overpowering of that evil spirit. A grief support network 
a parenting group, an anger management class, an examination of the issue by carrying outside people can all help us to recognize what's really going on and help us devise a way to live free of that which crippled and impaired us. It's the church. Again, Los writes, God does not want these things for us. And church, at its best, is a place where we gather in Christ's name to support each other in escaping the hold these things have on us, that we might grow as individuals and a community, as people blessed, blessed to be a blessing. Our God is a God of the broken, and our church, our church is a fellowship of the needy. I wonder if we dare to see that which is among us. Will we open our eyes to see the hurtful, stifling demons that dwell in our midst? Will we name them for ourselves or give the other the courage to name the ones in their lives? And then, will we dare to speak a word of power into that situation? God is still at work casting out the unclean spirits of the world. And God is using us to continue the Lord's work. There's a beautiful old hymn that includes this plea. Open my mouth and let me bear gladly the warm truth everywhere. There is power in the word. Let's learn to speak miracles into being. Amen.